we explore practical ways to put our inner calls at the service of the common good. Welcome to the Profit Podcast. Hi. Ciao. Hola. Salut. Ni hao. Hola. Apakaba. Sin ciao. Sawaji. Marhaban. Welcome to the show. We are your hosts, Evelyn Sanchez and Enrique Sanjais. We have already brought here in our show examples of religious people who, in addition to carrying out their duties with high standards of excellence, understand that their purposes involve going far beyond in an entrepreneurially or scientifically innovative way. And today we're going to take a look at it from a new creative perspective. Directly from Mexico, today's guest is the author of Solid Ideas for a Fluid World, a book that invites us to answer some very important questions related to discovering our personal purposes. Whoa, I like that. What kind of questions are they? Well, questions like, how do you grow? How do you transform yourself? Or how do you achieve realization? Those are indeed solid ideas, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Father Jorge Obregón is a member of the Legionaries of Christ, a Roman Catholic religious congregation of priests and seminarians living in communities who make vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and has an undergraduate degree in business administration in the Tecnológico de Monterrey in Mexico. He's also founder of two amazing social projects, especially focused on young people. The first of them is the Search Retreat, whose mission is to meet people wherever they are and elevate them to a new understanding of their value and purpose, providing young adults with a transformative weekend. This project started in Colombia and has since grown to nine countries and 19 cities across the globe. The second project is the New Fire Platform, a website that shares Catholic content to young people from Latin America, together with the support of highly competent lay people. That sounds very interesting. And it is. You know what? Let's hear more about it directly from its creator. Welcome, Jorge. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for, uh, I imagine, Evie, you're in, in, in Venezuela and Enrique, you're in Brazil. Yeah, precisely. Yes. Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> We're all over the place. All right. I'm in Mexico right now. So happy to be here. Oh, great. Great. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for your availability to talk to us here. And uh, okay, let's go. First of all, we, we want our listeners to get to know you better. So please, can you introduce yourself with your own words? Yes, thank you. So, um, so my name is Jorge Obregón. I'm a a uh, priest from the congregation, the Legionaries of Christ. And I was born in Monterrey, Mexico, 47 years ago. And uh, I'm the, the last one of four uh, siblings, four boys. There were no girls, unfortunately, in my house. I would have wanted a sister, but there were none. And, um, and basically, I so when we were little, um, we moved when I was eight years old to Houston, Texas. So um, the, my heart became red, white, and blue American very, very quickly because, um, I just appreciate that culture a lot. And then at 12, we came back to Mexico and, um, from a very Catholic family, my mom, especially, but all the, you know, the whole family. And, um, 
And it, it, I think I, I would say that I, I had my, let's say my conversion at around, I, I think it was 13 and a half or 14 and a half. That summer, I was invited to a summer camp uh, with the Legionaries of Christ. And, um, and I went from being a cradle Catholic, just, you know, I was born here and that's what I do, to uh, there's something very special in this. So that's kind of in a nutshell, uh, who I am. Well, a little bit more because people will say, okay, well, what are you doing now? So right now I've been all over the world. I have actually never worked in Mexico except for small things, but uh, I'm working in New York with young professionals and young adults and any needs that come up and many needs in today's world. Uh, but it just happens to be that right now I'm in Puebla, Mexico because I have a very bad back. I've been struggling with two hernias in my lower back. So I'm, I'm doing physiotherapy, but, but fortunately, uh, it's going well. And um, hopefully in three weeks, I'm back in New York. Oh, we wish you uh, to, to get better, <laughs> please. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We're working on it. We're being disciplined with our rehab. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, by the way, I am I'm doing physiotherapist, too, because uh, <laughs> because of my shoulders. But <laughs> Are you a tennis player, Henrique? No, no, no. In fact, I I I do jogging. I, I love to run, and and this this is gymnastics, you know. <laughs> okay. But Very I'm doing good. physiotherapy too. <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. Oh, thank you so much. And I think it's quite lovely uh, that you right now you are uh, uh, have been all over the world. But uh, can you explain a little bit to us or to the audience, uh, what are you doing today? Today, like th th this day? No, no, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not Or, only this day, but <laughs> this now, last uh, year, in, I don't know. In general. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I, I try to find where young adults are and try to accompany them, accompany them um, just with their questions of life and faith Um, and also you get a lot of petitions from not so young adults, older, you know, Catholics who are, you know, just, um, wanting to, wanting somebody who can be there to ask the big questions that are confusing our world today, because as we all know, we're very polarized. I, I had never seen the world as polarized as it is now. Um, so, you know, there's, we have a movement, a lay movement that some people might know. It's called the Regnum Christi, the kingdom of Christ. And so in the area where I'm at, there's people who have been there, you know, some two years, some 10 years, some 15 years. And then not only that, Evelyn, but I also have been doing for about um, five years digital evangelization. So I have a platform called New Fire, um, which although the, the name is in English, um, but it is for Spanish speaking Catholics, young Catholics around the world. Um, so that's, yeah, that's basically what I do other than, you know, my prayer, my community life, a little bit of, uh, you know, exercise, especially with my bad back. I've got to be moving all the time. So I have a little, I have a new watch. Somebody gave me that every hour says, get up. So, you know, I have one of those right here. Yeah. At least it's incredible because it seems like a little gadget, you know, that, that you might not need, but if I don't have this, I don't remember. And I'll stay on the, you know, I'll stay at, at, at the desk for hours and hours and that's not good for our backs <laughs> that's good we we in the profit podcast we used to to uh incentivize each other <laughs> in exercises too 
yeah. and those no, and those watches help a lot. <laughs> Indeed, they they do, they do. I, I yeah, I I just started wearing this two weeks ago, and um, I'm I'm seeing how helpful it is to, you know, just uh, mm -hmm. encourage me to walk a little bit more or stand up a little bit more because it, you know we're getting yeah. we're as we as we as we as we get older, we just we need our body to do uh, good things, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Father Jorge, uh, we wanted to, to understand uh, a little better um, this inner call of yours. So we wanted yeah. to ask you, how did you recognize that this is what you're passionate of? And uh, how did you get into what you're doing today? So is it within like being a priest or within the priesthood? What would you like to? This, this is a good question. If you can explain both, it would be excellent, okay. please. Okay. Well, you know, I um, do two very good people around me, mostly um, consecrated members of Reino Christi who, um, and legionaries of Christ. And I guess my peers, good young guys my age back then, I'm talking about the late 80s, early 90s, um, I had a good formation, but I did definitely did not want to be a priest, not at all. And um, this, it was very simple. I, I just used to go to, after that conversion in that summer camp that I, um, that I, that I did, I fell in love with both the rosary and the mass. And so two blocks away from my house, there was a church and there was daily, if I'm not mistaken, seven o'clock mass. So, I would arrive from either school or the university, do my, my, I was very, very responsible, I must say. So I would do my homework, then I would go to the gym, and then I would take a shower, and then I would go to daily mass. Um, but I, yeah, I must say, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a geek. <laughs> I mean, I did a lot of things, and I had girlfriends, and I did a lot of things. But this thing about going to mass was not because I didn't have anything else to do. I just... The legionaries impacted me in a way in which I knew that my life had to be worthwhile, that I could not waste my time, and that we have time and we have eternity, and that time is the preparation for eternity. So one, one day we had a holy hour. It was just boys that day. And um, when the priest was giving the benediction with the monstrance, And he aimed the monstrance exactly in the direction where I was kneeling. I heard six words. Jorge, I want you for me. And so I just kind of dropped my head and I said, no, you can't do this to me. No, please don't do this to me. And, um, and a few seconds later, almost like when there's an earthquake and then there's a second one, there was a second message, kind of like a string and a little second message and it said this Jorge there is no underground bunker or faraway cave where you could hide and pretend you didn't hear what I just told you and so that was that is the story that I've told hundreds of times um, to young people because sometimes they think that we're born being priests but no way I mean I'm going to say something that you might surprise you but I, I, I still like beautiful women It's just that my eyes are trained now to offer him to God and to say, well, just like any married man, he's still going to like other women, but he has his own, right? 
Mm-hmm. So a priest must be a true man and a, a nun or a religious sister must be a true sister. So that's question number one. And question number two is, you know, I didn't know that my passion, I'm, I, 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 I still am a little bit insecure, but I was much more insecure when I was in my late 20s and early 30s. So I didn't know what my talents were. I even remember once in formation telling my superior, I don't think I have apostolic zeal, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that I'm on fire, like St. Paul, about going out and and he said, come on, I mean, of course you have it, but you're just not seeing it yet. And when I was sent from Rome to Colombia to work, they they had me work with young adults. And I was so insecure that, you know, I was I was just being myself, but always admiring other priests and trying to imitate other priests or trying to be like other priests. And um it took me about three years to realize, hey, I think young people like you. So you must be doing something right. And so that's the way I discovered it. But it wasn't something that I knew. And um, it was a discovery uh, that came through the assignment that my congregation gave me. Great. Good. Good. Um, dear listeners, this is this is something that uh, we ask it in, in one of the reasons we have Jorge here besides being a priest and besides having uh, wonderful um, projects, which he develops, um, it's uh, to get to let you know that uh, different inner calls, I mean, not the, the main ones that we usually know, right? Oh, I'm going to do this, this and that in my life and everything that we have been talking to today in this uh, podcast you are listening to. Um, but this is a different example, like... Um, All inner calls are are, uh, gift, are God's gifts, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this one is very, very specific. And this is really nice to, to hear from you, Jorge, <laughs> how direct he was with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, this was, not, this was not me doubting or there was not a single person that ever told me, hey, have you ever thought of being a priest? No, no. This was directly Christ. So... If I were to abandon the priesthood, I would know for certain that I was unfaithful to Christ, uh, even, even if that might seem a little bit rigid. But the fact is that it, this was not a discernment process. This was a one-time you know, arrow just coming down from heaven like that. Sure. So there was no way to, nowhere to move, for sure, nowhere to for run. Sure. And another and another point, uh, just sorry, Eve, just before giving you the word, um, it's uh, it's really interesting to to listen to you because sometimes um, people tend to imagine priests like uh, holy people, like saints in on earth, and they don't have uh, struggles within. And this is yeah. really interesting to, to listen to you, uh, listeners. You are not seeing Jorge but we are because we are <laughs> we are face to face here in a, in a call he's so young you know so uh he 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 has struggles as all of us have so this is really interesting to hear uh, an example uh as this one you're giving thank you so much Jorge no thank you yes actually my question was related to to that uh, my question my next question is what are um some of the personal or maybe institutional challenges or struggles you face as you follow this path? And of course, mm -hmm. how do you overcome them? Right. The, the main challenge that I had came 
as I was approaching my midlife crisis. I thought that that didn't happen to a priest, but there were four elements that came together at the same time, allowed by God, and I, I just had to be purified. And I will continue to be purified because one is not enough. But first one is my 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 40 year crisis. But I was 38 when I started my crisis. Second was the finding out uh, on our part of a very scandalous founder from our, our order, uh, Marcial Maciel, who was a man that was um, had a very had a double, you know, uh, I would say he, he was a, a man without scruples and, and a man who did a lot of a lot of bad for the church well at the same time he did also good which is the mystery that's why you know for us it was a shock because we we never saw it coming number three was in that revolution if i i'll use that word but we don't have to concentrate too much on the word but that revolution that happened in our in our congregation as we found out that we had an unfaithful founder who we thought was a holy man the different territories started advancing or changing things that God was asking us through the church to change at different stages. One of the slowest ones was where I was living, which was Venezuela. My superiors back then, God bless them, but they were back in the fort in 19, they were thinking like in 1940 and we were in the year 2013. So it was very frustrating to have superiors that were backward looking and not forward looking. And then the last but not least was the situation that Eve knows very well in Venezuela. I arrived to Venezuela one month before the death of Hugo Chavez. And the transition from Hugo Chavez to Nicolás Maduro was terrible. Was, um, I mean, if, if, if I, I don't know how much they suffer now, but I suffered a lot in those two years in Venezuela, just having to see that Like even in my Sunday masses, there's no there's no topic you could preach about. You had you had to preach about the situation in Venezuela. It doesn't matter if it was a Samaritan woman, if it was the prodigal son, if it was you know the parable of the talents. Venezuelans needed to hear about the situation, and they needed for a priest to give them hope within their situation, just like they need it now. And I don't think I lived up to the situation. I think that they might say I did, but internally I was I was struggling. Because, you know, I had a Sunday mass every Sunday in a very big school and we had 300 people and um, and you just couldn't get away from addressing the very difficult situation that Venezuelans face up to the date. Of course, we we are hearing this these struggles, but I was wondering if you ever thought about giving up uh, just hearing these challenges and struggles. And the most important questions will be, what makes you keep going? Mm. Yes, you asked me that question and I was hesitant. I, 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 I wasn't, I forgot about it. So uh, let's see. Yes, yes. Um, there, there was a time in which, um, there was a time in which some of the guys and girls who, sort of came into our religious family from my same city and we were we knew each other they started all leaving uh, not all many of them leaving and um both men and women and um and when you see your congregation in a big crisis i think there's not a single legionary that didn't ask himself 
Should I stay or should I go? Is this a corrupt order or is this some huge meteorite that the Lord allowed so that we can be purified like it's happened in many times in history? So I think we all asked ourselves that question. And there were many moments. I'm, I'm actually writing a book about it called uh, Pain Changes Everything. Um, I think that there were many moments when I would ask myself, when is, gonna, when is the day going to come when I see the Jorge that I know? Very energetic, very joyful, very positive. Um, because I stopped seeing that for two years. For two years, I was miserable. And uh, Venezuela ne never gave me uh, a visa. So every three months I had to go out and going out from Venezuela was a breather. I would just breathe like fresh air, right? But then I knew I had to come back because my congregation still had me be there. So how did I overcome this? Um, I was very close to my superiors all the time. Uh, even though they were part of the problem, I, I, I was still close to them knowing that the grace of God works through the appointed people. I don't have to like them too much. The grace of God works through them. Second, you can't leave prayer. You know, you can't leave prayer. Um, and you just endure. You, you have to use the two models that we were given, which is Jesus and Mary, and say, what must his life have been at this stage, at this other stage? What about Mary when when she lost the boy at 12 years old and she was worried? What about all the uncertainty from the moment that Joseph died when you don't have that strong man beside you to take care of the son of God? Uh, what about all those moments? So if you unite yourself to those huge models that we've been given, which incidentally, they are the biggest models that could ever exist in anybody, anybody's imagination, then I think that living it together with the heart of Jesus and the, and the immaculate heart of Mary, that what mm, was that was the um, and then I think the Lord knows exactly when you're about to drown and he gives you a little toy. He gives you a little chocolate, spiritual chocolate. And, yeah. uh, and then you have maybe one more month to go. But there were, yeah, those moments where uh, they, they're very necessary. And um, I don't know if I will. Um, I mean, I might have more of those moments one day because the Lord knows how to challenge your 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 whole person, right? Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Um, the Prophet Podcast is also about mission, right? So we wanted to understand a little bit better about those two initiatives in which you work, which are um, the search foundation right search foundation yeah it's a it's a it's a retreat yeah yeah retreat. yeah search retreat and the new fire platform could you explain a little bit about both of them please yeah so when i was a deacon one year before ordination um i, I had been working for a few years with young adults in one two three maybe four cities in colombia and a lot of the other padres, all of my, my brothers in Christ around the world, we know who we are, who is working in the same age group. And so I, I would shoot out emails saying, what are you doing? What's working for you? This is really tough here. And uh, in many of the places where I worked, we did not have uh, an institution. I had to open, I had to be a trailblazer. I had to break ground from nothing, start from scratch. 
And um, so one day, um, very, very qualified and important people from Bogota invite me to this retreat that was that started in Florida in Key Biscayne among very wealthy and powerful people, and it impacted them very much. It's called the Emmaus Retreat. And that retreat, I went to it, and I saw for the first time um, realities outside of my own reality. I didn't know too much outside of the Legion and Regnum Christi. So I, um, I loved it. I saw other needs that we were not taking care of. I started traveling around the world to see what the Anglicans were doing. I went to London. I went to the United States to see what the Protestants were doing. I went to Baptist camps. Um, I went to also to Atlanta, Georgia, United States, to go see um, an association called Life Team. So when I came back from those experiments, I started trying different things and doing activities also with girls. We used to do only activities with guys. So I started mixing it up a little bit. So I guess long story short is that we tried many things that were smaller, maybe seven hours, eight hours, until we said, wow, if these young people are being impacted in eight hours, what can we do? I mean, imagine if we do a whole weekend. So inspiring ourselves by the Emmaus retreat plus the Alpha course in London with the Anglicans plus things that I had done in Rindon Christie, you bring all these three sources together and you get a new reality. And that was search. And that was on the 27th of April of the year 2012. And we were sort of nervous to see if this had the blessing of God through the impact in people. And it certainly did. So we did it and it's just started expanding uh, by the grace of our, our Lord. And now it's in 20 cities in nine different countries. And I've had to travel to most of those for the inauguration, the, the launching of search. And how did new fire come about? Well, when you start seeing a pattern that all of these young people come to search, but their fervor just lasts two weeks and then you start losing them again, you say, well, what can we do and where are they at? Well, they are at this place right here. This is where they're at all the time. And we were seeing that in America and in England, there was such amazing content, both in the Christian as well as the Catholic world. So we said, but there's very little in Spanish. What can we do? So inspired by St. John Paul the Great, where he said we need to evangelize with new methods, new ardor, and new expressions, we took the new ardor, which was not very attractive as a name, and we just turned it into new fire. So um, we came up, I, 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 uh, you know, a, a team came around me, and we started new fire uh, in the year 2017, I believe. Um, we launched it as a Catholic content platform that can answer questions of life and faith for, for young adults in, uh, in the Spanish-speaking world. So that's kind of how these two projects came up or how they came about. Great. Thank you. Both project, projects are very, very interesting. Um, and uh, we have two questions. I will do the first and, and let 
Evid make the second because I'm really curious about both of them. The first is um, kind of a, a, a let's let's think. The modern world is being hit by individualism, right? Consumptionism, right. relativism. As you said, we are in a in a very uh, polarized moment in the history, right? So, how to set up and live in a community while not withdrawing from the world? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you know Jesus and his disciples lived in a community, but they did not leave the world. They would go to the world. So, I think you can have. You can combine the moments where you need to recharge and re-energize yourself and your peers and your team. So you need those, you know, going away moments where, you know, the Gospels narrate that Jesus went away with his disciples because he needed to be with them only, right? Um, the Gospel of Mark and Matthew give us account of this many times. So they need they needed their private moments. And just like the Last Supper, right? That was a private moment where Mary could have been, you know, downstairs, but that was just those men needing to recharge, to be with the Lord and um, and get your own energies, right? Because you, you can't give what you don't have. But then um, the wheat and the weeds always grow together. So we cannot expect a perfect world. Jesus didn't come to redeem a perfect world. Um, and part of the polarization that we see in, in, in what I would call the very conservative Catholics, the ones who go beyond, you know, even more right than the, than the Pope, um, is almost, I don't know, like dreaming of a world that's perfect. But that's not going to happen on, on Earth. Uh, we can't dream of a perfect world. We can just dream of a better world. But as long as, you know, there's original sin and that's, you know, that's uh, that's going to be throughout the ages, then we can expect that um, maybe there's perfection in imperfection because that's where you can bring love and mercy and um, um, and forgiveness. And then because we've been forgiven, right? And so, um, I, and I think that, you know, I, I'm living in the United States and, and um, there's a big, big, that's a struggle that, that, that we see up there, right? A lot of individualism. And a lot of you're good and you're bad. You're the victim. You're the victimizer, right? Um, and, and so many ideologies are using this communist socialist model of the rich and the poor, the opposition, right? Man, women, black, white, uh, conservative, liberal, uh, Republican, uh, Democrat. Um, it, that's not going to get us anywhere. So, you know, we need to work in that world. Yes, actually, my question is also related to what uh, you, you just said. And uh, my question is, how do you define life success? That is, my, I, I, maybe it's the first part of my question. And the, the second part will be, how do you help others? Because in those retreats, uh, I know there, there are some young people, but if you could share an experience, maybe and how uh, the work that you do uh, has helped uh, these young people. Yeah. So the first part, um, life, <laughs> life success, and the, the other part, the experience. Yeah, you know, if we, if we go and look at the, at the, the catechism where, where it says, what is the reason for man? And um, the reason for man is to, to know um love and follow 
Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate dream. That's, you know, we look at the letters of St. Paul, that champion of the faith, who said, you know, I consider everything rubbish um, next to the uh, conquering of, of Christ, right? And he said, my life is Christ. Now, why is that? That's, that's not a religious reality. That is a reality, simply put, because God the Father made every creature, every human being in his um, image and likeness. And what he wants us to do is to become like God. You know, um, there is that Psalm that says you will be like gods. And how do we do that? By imitating his son. We are supposed to, in a certain sense, disappear. If when the father looks at us, if he's able to say, wow, I see my son, then that's the biggest triumph of them all. So, you know, and then in another, you know, that's in, in another, put it in different, in, in different ways. Um, I guess that a, a worthwhile life, a life worth, worth living in a successful life would be one where we, where we fulfill the greatest of, of the desires of the human heart, which is just to love. And in order to do that, we have to, number one, understand that it's not all about me. Two, I'm not the center of the world. And three, my life is not mine. So my life belongs to the others because actually that's where I, I'm more fulfilled. The people that have done the most for the world are the ones who, um, like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, just dedicated the, their witness, even without pronouncing a word of religion or God, people would just follow them because that there must be something in that person if he's not self-centered because most of the people are self-centered. And I think that the grace of God impacted many young people uh, during those retreats and continue to do so well as, as soon as COVID is, you know, kind of subsides, there will be more of those retreats. And, and yes, I mean, I, I think um, I've encountered, I'm thinking of a young girl uh, from Caracas, Venezuela, who um, she's not that young anymore. She's in her late 20s, but she came to one of these retreats without a personality um, from a school that was religious, but as if it wasn't religious. And her faith was just wobbling and very, very feeble and very weak. And the transformation that she's had during the years where after that retreat, she continued to come to her, to all of her meetings and encounters. And then she started forming herself and, and then she has benefited from the formation pathway that in this particular case, Renew Christie was able to offer her because she said yes to that. But, you know, many times out of a retreat of 100, 80 just want that. And guess what? After a couple of weeks, they're back at it just as if they hadn't gone to the retreat because the world just pulls you in again. They might theoretically think, oh, yeah, search was awesome while they're you know using their bodies and their minds and their wills for many things that that were not really in accord with what they were yelling and screaming and being happy about during the retreat so that's why we need to keep working and do the best we can right but there are many many testimonies 
um, like that. And, and this particular one from this young woman from Caracas, uh, it was powerful because she she really wasn't into the faith before that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, our next question, um, by the way, I will ask, and um, and I have a, a, an example, but I will give the example after your answer. Okay. <laughs> um, do you believe that uh, these initiatives are replicable from even from a lay perspective? Uh, and can you see it being applied in other social contexts around the world? An experience, like for example, like search. Yeah, yeah. Search is, is a good. Idea. Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I always thought that there are things that every human being likes. That is, beauty is objective as well, not only subjective. So, for example, when we go to a World Youth Day. In the Catholic Church, we have people from five different continents, and everybody's as happy as anything. It's like that place you can't like you can't um, you can't go wrong with going to World Youth Day. Another product that I think that everybody loves, whether they have money to buy it or not, is the iPhone. Would anybody be happy if they say, "Hey, your birthday! Here's a new iPhone"? I don't think anybody would say, "No, that's pretty ugly. I don't need that." I mean, if they give it to you, which, which happens to be the case, you know, my mom gave me this one. Um, there are things that just everybody likes. Well, listening to somebody who is your age going through the same struggles with the difficulties and challenges, which we call in the Catholic Church testimonial talks, giving a testimony, it's impossible that you have such hard fibers that nobody reaches you. And United are putting that together with the fact that you have a bunch of people praying to the Lord that he would shower his graces to these people who have a hard heart. I think that's very replicable. And in the case of search, it's already in nine different countries. So the answer is, is automatically there. So I guess... We just need to remind ourselves what the desires, the deepest desires of a human heart are and, you know, meet those desires, meet people's needs. And it's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Every generation has pretty much a desire to be loved, to find fulfillment, to find, um, to be admired, to be somebody for someone, at least for one person, right? Even if it's for your dog, even if somebody's so lonely that they have a, you know, a German shepherd in the house. And when you come home, you know that for him, you are everything because dogs can be therapeutical, right? I mean, they are actually in very lonely countries. They are the, 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 the sustainment of a lot of people. Otherwise, they die. So being special for somebody, um, being in the heart of somebody, that is something that we all need. And, and these things, these experiences make a bonding of friends. Plus young men and women who are doing well will repeat many times to those who are attending the retreat. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you less. You are very loved by the father. 
and you don't need anything else. And since that was already put in our hearts, it's impossible that that cannot be healing for them. No matter where you're at, it's healing. Of course. Thank you so much. And I was wondering, how do you make these initiatives sustainable? Because I know in the case of the retreat, uh, I guess uh, participants will pay uh, a fee for for the retreat. But I don't know the other initiative the, about the new fire. I know you you already wrote a book. You're an author, and uh, that's that's one one of or your like um, source of of income that helps okay. these initiatives to to grow. But I'm I'm sorry, maybe if I'm being too <laughs> thinking about money, you know. But it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's a moment because we live in this world. We need to keep yeah. like, uh, uh, eating, <laughs> you know, That's right. and, and sustaining our families. And because this is part of it, uh, I was wondering how do you make this sustainable? Yeah, no, most most of, of, of what makes New Fire sustainable is, is generous donations. Because really, in the evangelizing world, um, seldom ever do you produce something that will give you the revenue you need to just pay the salaries of the young women who are there. So it's been generous people and um, trusting in providence, but at the same time going out and telling people about this so that they can have an opportunity to support it. And, and we, we, we know well what we're trying to do. Um, and hopefully one day we won't run out of money, but it is a possibility and it could be God's will that we do. In the meantime, we try to lower costs um, as much as possible. And I try to go out and, and, and ask people to, to be generous with this because the young adults in the world need it. And um, so that's the way it's worked up to now. Hopefully they'll continue to work that way. For sure. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jorge, by the way, uh, uh, have you been here to Rio and uh, the Rio 2013 World Youth Day? No, I had gone to the one in Madrid and mm -hmm. I did not have enough people to go to um, to the one in Rio, so I, I did not participate in that one. Yeah, okay. Okay, I was so curious about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't go to that one. Oh, great. So we are reaching the end of, uh, of this amazing conversation, um, but we wanted to know how can people contact you and know better about your work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, normally, um, so I, I like to invite people to follow me on Instagram, which is um, at J, the letter J, and then my last name, which is Obregon, like the state of Oregon, but with a B after the O, <laughs> and then a G, which is my, my, the, my mother's last name, Gonzalez, so just a G, so it's at J Obregon G. Perfect. And um, that's where I try to communicate with people and continue conversations, and and I've been doing it lately, both in English as well in Spanish, as well as in Spanish. Um, so that's mainly the the place, right? Thank you. Thank you 
dear audience, we will be sharing this information also in the, the post of this episode. Uh, Very yes, good. I, th I think we will reach the, before the rapid question, sorry. Um, let's, let's do the call for action. Because uh, we always ask uh, in the last part of our, each episode to our guests just to give us uh, a task that it's easier <laughs> to mm -hmm. do. Maybe not, maybe not as easy, but but a little task to uh, help us find our inner call, to follow our purpose, to you know, just to to keep moving in this quest. Yeah, you know I, what I would. The call to action for me would be related to one of the questions you asked about a fulfilling life, a successful life. So what comes to my mind is the following, because this, this, this I think, can help a lot. As we discern, uh, we need a little bit of time, and writing is a great, is a great means of discerning. So I, I would encourage people to find a, lo a, a, a moment alone, whether in a, in a church, chapel, or in their rooms, try to just have an, an image of, of our Lord. And um, I would say to divide the, a, a piece of paper or a notebook in two. And almost like on the left side, you have the negatives. On the right side, you have the positives. And to just start saying, to start like kind of like expressing because God allows us to find our calling by understanding what's in our hearts. What are the things you would not like to do in life that you would like to avoid? Like, you know, things that you're afraid of or things that you wouldn't want to fall into, like vices or loneliness or whatever that is. And on the right side, put just, it's almost like letting the Lord know what is your strongest desire? I want to have a family. I want to... Uh, You know, I want to work for a company or I want to create my own my own enterprise, whatever, my own uh, job. Uh, I want to pursue my dream of writing or I'd like to, I, I can't imagine my life without, you know, writing a book or learning a new language, something like that. And then sort of kind of just once you wrote it down, then to get in prayer and say, all right, Lord. Now, these desires, can you, in the next few days, you know, or weeks, tell me what of this comes from you and what is only just my own worldly desire so that we can purify our desires from those of God. But what we will see is that God loves us so much that we, what he puts in our hearts as a desire is also his desire. But let's not be naive and, uh, and, and, and deny that sometimes some of our desires really don't match his. And that way a path can be created. And then of course, um, a final, I, I always say that in order to verify these things, going to a good confessor, a spiritual director will allow us because being the judges of our own cause is not always the best thing. Why? Because we get, we get confused, right? That's why we go to spiritual directors so that they can say, you know, in everything you're describing, you're being very logical, but there's no faith in this. Or, I don't know, you're putting yourself down too much or you're too self-centered. Somebody else sees that much easier than we do. But this exercise of in prayer, 
either in the chapel or in your room with that sheet with left side negative, right side positive, and then let it rest a little bit so that he can tell us these desires that you have, these are the ones that I also put in your heart. Wonderful. That, that's excellent. Yeah, definitely is great, great, great idea. Thank you so much, Jorge. We are, Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we, before we go, we need, we are going to make the quick questions. The round, the round of questions. questions. Yeah. <laughs> so are you ready? I'm ready. No, oh, perfect. I will give the word to Eve so she starts. Sure. Um, let's see. Summer or winter? Summer. Mm. Um, cookies or ice cream? Cookies. <laughs> Dancing or drinking? Oh my goodness. I'd say drinking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, although you are in a lot of different places in the world, do you like, do you support any sports team? Do you like any sport uh, kind of sports? No. Yes, I like Real Madrid. <laughs> Direct, straight to the point. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> What is your favorite holiday? Um, I'd say I'd say Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Why? <laughs> I want to know why. <laughs> um, I I find it so um, Christian to dedicate a day of thanking all the people around us, which is a way of thanking God for all the services they do to us. And since it's a very simple um, holiday, I, objectively speaking, Christmas is more important. But all the presents and the long masses and all that thing just wears me down. And normally it's very cold where I've been. So it's a stressful time. I like Thanksgiving better. No, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I will give you I will ask you the last question um, what is your favorite passage from the Bible uh, it's John 21 um, it must be it must be John 21 20 um, if I'm not mistaken where Jesus has resurrected and he is by the Sea of Galilee and they have gone to fish fish again and And he has denied Jesus three times. So Jesus says, do you love me? And the answer of Peter is, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. It's almost kind of, um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I identify with that because I don't love the way, I don't love God the way I, 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 I'd like to. But the, the resignation or the abandonment um, so that he can help me love him the way that he deserves to be loved. And so that same answer. I know, Lord, I'm going to fail you not three times, maybe 300 times, but you know that I love you. So that's it. Wonderful. Thank you. So Jorge, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for your availability, for your yeah, it was a uh, pleasure. Thank you. precious words. This is a gift. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for being here and for all the, the insightful Uh, ideas, opinions, and, and exercises that you share with us. 
Yeah. Thank you, Evelyn and Enrique. Thank you, and keep doing what you're doing and grow, grow as much as the Lord allows you. Thank you so Amen. much. <laughs> be, amen. Yeah. And before we close, uh, which would be your message to the world? Um, fall in love with Jesus Christ and, and ask him to, um, to just be, to, to, to give you the grace to be very, uh, very loyal to him. Um, I, I can't think of anything more important than that. that that'll <laughs> make people happy. Okay. Okay. For sure. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was Jorge Obregón. Thank you once again. And that's it. See you next time, right? Yes. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the future content, make sure to subscribe. You can also share with us a photo of yourself listening to this episode and tag us on social media. We are at Profit Podcast. We have a challenge for you. Go to our social media and you will find our quest post for this episode. It is an actionable challenge related to what you have just heard. We are sure will help you in this journey for a purposeful life. We want to hear from you too. Share your superpower stories with us. That will help other adventurers to stay inspired as well. If you want to support us, Give us a review on any platform you are listening to this podcast. It will help others to discover us. This interview is produced by a group of young people inspired by the values of the economy of Francesco. Our team members are Alessandra Fasol, Enrico Sunjes, Ingrid Ocampo, Vincent Chi, Martin Kapka, and me, Evelyn Sanchez. Thank you for listening. And remember to bring out your superpower from your inner universe to the whole world. See, See you, you next time. time.